Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Good afternoon. My name's Tom Larson. I'm CEO of a company called Allura Resources. Uh, we're listed on the TSX Venture uh, Exchange in, in Canada and also on the OTCQX uh, Exchange. ELRRF is the symbol. We are a, a, an exploration and development company, primarily based, uh, our focus is based in the Department of Potosi, Southern Bolivia. Uh, we have raised, we're well financed, having raised $30 million this year, and currently are in a major uh, drilling campaign, having drilled to date over 30,000 meters. I'll introduce Dr. Bill Pearson now, who's head of our exploration, uh, overseeing this project. Tom, thank you. Great to see you again. I believe you've been on the show a couple of times uh, with Matt, haven't you? So, so you're familiar with the channel. Absolutely. Matt's, it's been a pleasure dealing with Matt. Uh, over over the last two three sessions that we've had, and I, I've given a, a strong demonstration on the you know on the merits of the company where you know how we started off. So I think your audience, a lot of your audience at least, are familiar with with our company, Allura Resources. But we've had some major milestones in the last few months, and uh, I'd like Dr. Pearson to really get at at uh, the size potential what we're doing right now. It's pretty amazing. Okay, well that that would be great. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a geologist by training. I'm a geologist by background. I'm very familiar with the, uh, the Potosi silver um, deposit of Bolivia. It's one of the case studies that everybody studied at, at university. Um, and I'm particularly interested uh, in hearing how the resource drill out is going. Um, you know, what, what, what was the stimulus behind choosing to do a resource, uh, publishing a resource now? I think you're 30,000 meters through a drill program and you've got another 50,000 meters to go. Um, perhaps, Bill, before I get into the technical side of things, um, uh, Tom, can I ask you, just, can you just remind me of how much of, um, cash you've got uh, on the kitty or, and, and what your burn rate is and when you, um, you know, how long you think you're going to um, uh, have, how much runway you've got before you need to come back to the capital markets? Yeah, so we raised, again, 30 million Canadian uh, through two bot deals uh, led by Haywood Securities, Cantor Fitzgerald and Cormark. Uh, two, one, one raise was at $1.75, the second was at $3.50 uh, with some half warrants. So we basically are going, roughly it's a, around a million, uh, a million Canadian, a uh, million to a million two Canadian a month. Uh, we're basing it on, you know, close to 100 meters of drill. I, I guess we're dealing with close to... Um, I think it's close to about 100 meters uh, that we're looking at from a daily standpoint, but we do have three drills. We're under, we're around 250 a meter um, uh, drilling cost all in. But to answer your question, around uh, a million Canadian to 1.2 million Canadian. So we have roughly 20 million Canadian in the treasury. So that'll, you know, again, that'll keep us, you know, moving forward. To get to our our, our maiden uh, mineral resource uh, plan for you know first quarter end of first quarter 2021 plus 22 sorry plus uh, you know lots of money to spare as we decide how we're, where we're going to go from there and the half warrants from the 350 um, raise will yeah. also contribute as well. The, there's a forced conversion on that uh, half warrant strike price. It's at 525, I believe. The uh, half warrant either five or 525. 
but if the stock trades beyond seven dollars for over 20 days, it's an acceleration. Great. Thank you. Uh, Bill. Geology, when I flipped through your presentation, um, I was particularly interested in slides kind of 22 onwards, really talking about the um, <clears throat> about the geological model and what you've got there. Um, could you introduce me to the geology? Mm, definitely. Uh, Amina, can you just uh, pop up the first slide there? I'll give you a quick overview, show you our strategy and uh, where we're going. So here's, here's the map of all the... Uh, famous deposits in southern Bolivia. We're in a wonderful address here. Uh, obviously, Tom mentioned Cerro Rico, um, but lots of really good activity like Silver Sam with New Pacific. Um, Bakken's group has recently come in, taken over San Bartolome, Pulacayo, that's a project I'm familiar with, San Cristobal, which is a major mine, uh, silver lead sink operated by Sumitomo and San Vicente. So this, this is a very, very prolific part of the world here. And as I'll show you, uh, there's a lot of unique geology in Southern Brazil, or Southern Bolivia. Um, and a key guy is, is Dr. Oswaldo Arce, um, good friend of mine. Uh, he's managing the program there. Uh, he actually spent the lockdown uh, doing a second edition of his landmark book on metalliferous ore deposits of Bolivia. And, and what has always struck me about Bolivia is the fact it's prolific mineralization, but a remarkably low level of exploration. I'll show you how things have been evolving. Next slide. And that's the famous hill at Cerro Rico. There's Esqueesca, and as I'll show you, a lot of similarities in terms of metal content, timing, and mineralization scale. But Esqueesca has some unique characteristics that really set it apart um, from elsewhere in Bolivia. Next slide. There's the property, 900 hectares, average elevation about 4,000 meters. You can see we've got very good road access uh, to Pisa, uh, 48 kilometers south is where our base is. There's no Garamparo uh, or artisanal miners on here, no communities. Very, very good place to work. Our, um, Edwin Viegas, who we optioned the property from, is a is a terrific uh, partner and does a lot of our our roads, did underground work. Next slide. So he's he's an artisanal. I mean, he's he's got mining in his or kind of earthworks or civils or something. Absolutely. Uh, he he acquired this 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 property originally based on following up uh, some Spanish artisanal workings, Spanish colonial workings, and he drove this uh, added in here the Wawarcaza, did about three hundred meters of drifting, and also did this Santa Barbara added. Um, he was mining high grade lead zinc silver veins um he wasn't very uh thrilled with what he was getting veins were rather discontinuous and so forth and when oswaldo proposed this we did a due diligence program which tom and several of us funded and i remember the first slide that um picture that oswaldo sent me i looked at it and i said wow this thing's hammered so we knew this was a big system uh, at the time, we had no idea how big, but I'll show you how it's evolved. You can see very nice terrain uh, to work in. And the fact, we were able to do the first drilling on this property from underground, which is absolutely exceptional. But I'll show you, that was a huge plus. Next slide. So here's the uh, uh, geological plan map here. 
We're in a classic collapse resurgent caldera, Miocene age, basement rocks or Ordovician uh, quartz sandstones. Our initial discovery was the Wawakaza breach pipe, a small pipe up here. When we hit this, the first thing Oswaldo said was, wow, I haven't seen this anywhere else in Bolivia. Now, if it's not in Bolivia, Oswaldo would know about it. Anyway, we were ex quite excited about this, not because this pipe was that big, but we said, man, these things normally occur in clusters. There's got to be more of them. Then, of course, uh, while we were waiting for results there, we did the holes off to the to the west, the southwest hole hit 180 meters of, of uh, Santa Barbara Breccia. That was November. I said to Tom, Tom, this is so significant. We got a press release. That's the only press release I've ever done in my entire career in a drill hole without assays. Sorry, uh, sorry. But it was on. Um, so which hole was that? Um, so that, that was a uh, hole uh, you, you were drilling uh, out, uh, out of um, uh, Waracasa and you drilled one southwest towards the Santa Barbara Breccia pipe. I'll show you. I've got another a map coming up that shows you in more detail. Anyway, what we've developed here, you know, we've got these big breach pipes, Santa Barbara, Central, Porco. You see the green here? This is Dacitic um, uh, domes. And yeah. the mineralization is in both the breach pipe and the huge mineralizer um, uh, envelope, especially in the domes, but it's also in the basement rock. Uh, and you'll see this magnetic anomaly here. We have confirmed now that's a major extension of this Santa Barbara uh, mineralized zone. And actually, I have some very new geophysical data we just put out yesterday that really, really shows the overall picture and will answer your uh, uh, question. You can see the scale here, 1.8 by 1.6. So we've basically done the first pass drilling over about um, two kilometers by 1.4. And now we're focusing in on outlining a maiden resource in the Santa Barbara area. Next slide. And very rapid path to discovery, which to me is phenomenal. It's a little over a year. And here we are uh, after 32,000 meters honing in on our, our uh, maiden resource, which is very, very rapid pace. Uh, it really reflects the fact that this is a phenomenal system. And... The definition program we're doing now uh, is to establish the resource, establish grade. It's no mystery where we need to drill. Next slide. Hang on, hang on. Before you go into that, sorry, can we go back one? You said that you put out a news release on that November 24th Santa Barbara discovery pipe, um, the Breccia pipe. And you said that that was a, uh, a recognition, a visual recognition of the, uh, of the geology or the style of mineralization. Because you didn't have exactly. the ice. So, um, what what are you seeing? Is this, um, you know, how how can you tell that it had the silver and the gold in it visually? What were the mineralization features that kind of gave you the confidence? Well, essentially, what we hit in hole fourteen, you can see the little map here. You can see the hole to the southwest that had one hundred and eighty meters of mineralized breccia, and up in the top right, that's what we were looking at. Um, it's a classic phreatomagmatic breccia. These fragments are dacite. This breccia pipe is cutting the dacitic dome. And the matrix is sulfides and tourmaline. And we can obviously identify sulfides like uh, salarite, which is zinc, uh, lead, uh, lead and galena, yeah. um, 
quite a bit of pyrite. We also use a, an XRF gun. So uh, we also know knew that, hey, there's tin in this. Um, and of course, subsequently, when we published the first assay results, that confirmed our, our belief. But from a geological point of view, uh, we had we had actually mapped out the possible limits of these pressure pipes after we hit this hole. Because when we hit this, I said to Oswaldo, man, you better get our, our guys out there and figure out what's going on. So they went out early in the morning, a bunch of them crawled all over the hillsides and came back at, uh, just before uh, dark and just said, mucha pressure, mucha pressure, mucha pressure. And you might ask, okay, uh, why was this thing never found? Well, I'll show you in the next slide why it was not found uh, previously. So this was a huge leap forward, and we realized that our interpretation of the breccia pipes uh, was bang on. It was excellent mineralization. We obviously had to wait for results, and and we that press release in the 26th was a landmark one. Um, and then since then, from January to October, we've been advancing, and I'll, I'll show you this. This is the target area we're focusing on right now for our resource. So next slide. Um, Bill, doesn't the, uh, the, doesn't the adit go across the breccia? Don't you have a kind of a horizontal expression of the breccia in the, in the wall of the adit? No. The, the only place you see the breccia in the adit is at the extreme uh, west end of the Santa Barbara adit. The Guaracasa one is out in the mineralized envelope. This, the, the actual breccia pipe we hit here this is a phreatic breccia pipe. This is much higher than Santa Barbara Central is, is deeper as is Porco, as I'll show you. So that was the thing here was that the all these workings were on the edge of this whole system, not in it. And in fact, when uh, Edwin hit the breccia pipe in the Santa Barbara, well, as an artisanal miner, the last thing you want to see is a bulk mineable style of mineralization. Like okay. potassi is God's gift to the artisanal miners. Yeah, Everything is veins, vein breaches, narrow, high grade. It's perfect. Well, ISCA-ISCA yeah. is quite different. We're talking about huge breccia, mineralized breccia, huge fracture zones uh, that extend for hundreds of meters around these breccia. But it's it's a mineable proposition. It's not uh, in any way designed for artisanal mining, which is why Edwin was rather discouraged by what he was finding in Watercastle. Um, can so, I just ask that that, that phreatic breccia that you've described there in the top right of the, um, of, the of the picture? That's a very high energy um, rock. You know, it forms very very quickly, and it breaks up um, fragments and it carries it up in a great rush of uh, release of pressure. Um, the, and you said that the matrix has got sulfides in it. Do the clasts have um, sulfides in them? And do you have a feeling for the kind of the, the timing of the mineralization in that hole? Is it, um, was it, you know, posterior to the emplacement of the breccia or did the breccia bring the mineralized material with it? Well, let me continue through the talk and I'll answer those questions. Okay, sure. Okay, so next slide. Now this is hot off the press as of yesterday, and this explains a number of things. 
this is a, a magnetic conversion model. Yeah. Um, you know, we already identified these low low areas in analytical signal, which, as you can see on the inset map, which drilling has confirmed is extension. So you can see here, uh, you know, we've got this essentially this uh, enormous tongue here that's probably being driven by a, a porphyry, likely a tin porphyry. So we've got the highest level part in Santa Barbara, central's a bit deeper, the core of Porco seems to be deeper down uh, still. But you can see this enormous system here. And you can also see the oxide sulfide boundary. That's why this thing was never found 500 years ago, because at surface, there is nothing. If you sample the rock at surface and assay it, it's intensely leached. The advantage we had was we started out drilling from underground. So we drilled into the sulfide very quickly. And, um, you know, that's why this thing was never, ever found. And you can see down below here, uh, you're back into really low sul low magnetic rocks here um, in the Ordovician uh, sandstone. And we know from our physical property measurements that the sulfide mineralization, especially the higher grade part, is quite magnetic. So this gives us a wonderful tool uh, to, to outline things. Again, you can see the scale here, 2.4, 1.8 vertically. This is a massive system. Okay, One of couple, the biggest I've ever seen. A couple of questions. Um, I've, I've seen in your um, news releases that the, uh, on the figures, that the mineralization starts at various depths you know 100 100 meters 130 meters 140 meters below the surface and, and presumably that's a function of um oxidation uh the, the, that's what you've described kind of the the sulfide destruction or the leaching in the uh in in the upper horizon so that's my first question and the, the next question is um whether you've put any holes so far into central or has it just been in santa barbara well as i say let let me continue through the presentation and then ask your questions because I answer most of what you're asking. Okay, I'm greedy. I, I want all the information now. You know, Merlin. Uh, but you, you need to yeah. understand the context. And Merlin, this is, I mean, look at, I know it's sort of like you're asking the questions and they're very good questions, but Bill, it, you'll, it, I think your audience and yourself will just let them play it out here. It'll, it'll answer a lot. Okay. Exactly. All right. Okay. So what you take from this drawing here, this is a massive system. Huge. Indeed, Oswaldo thinks ultimately it may be the largest mineralized system in, in Bolivia. Uh, and you can see the where this section is drawn over 2.4 and this red dashed area is where we're concentrating in terms of uh, defining our mineral resource, which is, of course, only a part of this incredibly extensive system. You can also see too that there appears to be a definite Northwest trend. That's something early on we weren't sure about. Now we're sure about it. Uh, there's definitely a Northwesterly uh, trend to, to, the, to the mineralization uh, zones. Uh, next slide. So here's a more detailed map of the uh, Santa Barbara area. You can see the red are sort of overall target zone, which of course open. Uh, the yellow is the Santa Barbara Breccia. The uh, blue is the extension indicated by the magnetics 
which we have confirmed with uh, with more drilling central down here to the to the south. Um, the uh, hole from the end of Wawrakaza is that one that angles across there. That was the discovery one. And uh, there's Santa Barbara added in here. We got some spectacular numbers from that, as you can see, uh, uh, you know, 442 grams silver equivalent over 166 meters. And what you're looking at metal-wise here, your, your four major metals are silver, zinc, lead, and tin. And in fact, tin, with the recent price increases is becoming more and more interesting. Yeah, we have enormously long intersections. Um, this 129 over 300 meters, that's three football fields. Um, that's hole 18, which comes due south off the end of the Wawrakaza added. And that isn't mineralization that's, you know, uh, you know, 10 or 15 meters are really high grade and nothing. That is absolutely continuously mineralized with some higher grade uh, sections. We have high tin sections. Uh, tin tends to increase deeper down. Um, just really, really uh, phenomenal uh, results. So what we're doing right now is because we realize there's a northwesterly trend, our first drilling we did radially, which was the most efficient way to figure out generally what's there. We now know there's a definite Northwest trend. So we're doing more sectional drilling and we're filling in the holes. We've got two surface rigs just up to the Northeast here. And we have one underground rig at the Santa Barbara added there, completing the coverage, which I'm aiming to get done by the end of November so I can get my assay results back in time to incorporate them uh, into the resource. Next slide. Hang on, hang on, a couple of questions on this, please. Inside that, that Santa Barbara target zone, that red dashed line, is that where you're trying, sorry, just to confirm, that's what you're trying to get into the resource in the, in the first pass? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're looking at a drilled strike length of about 1,400 meters. The width is about 500 and extends down to 600. And I'll show you a section shortly. Okay. Uh, if you use the average SD is about 2.8, multiply that out, obviously not 100% of that's going to come in the resource. Um, but uh, even if 40 or 50% of it does, that's, we're talking huge numbers. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and so the next question is, um, uh, so central is to the southeast, is that right? And then the, the, yep. and the low mag is to the northwest. Where's the topographic high? Here, where's the kind of the hill that you showed me? Uh, well, the hill I showed you was was the um, Santa, uh, the Santa Barbara one. The actual highest peak is Iska Iska, which is um, the central pressure. Interestingly enough, Oswaldo mentioned that every single tin mine in Bolivia is the high, always the highest peak. Uh, the only place that that there isn't a tin mine at the central, largely again, because everything's leached like crazy at the surface. And of course, the uh, Spanish colonial uh, folks weren't looking for tin. You know, they were looking for silver. So, so just, if I get my kind of head around the, uh, the geometry of this, you're, if I, to the south, so the, 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 um, 
the geophysics, the low mag, or the high mag, that tongue that you had coming up, um, it gets closer to the surface in the northwest. And to the southeast, you're going to more towards central, um, and then uh, Porco. And, okay. the, and the, the mountain you're saying is, is uh, towards central as well. So what you're effectively saying is that the, the area to the northwest is closer to the surface and the area to the southeast, the mineralization is, is deeper. Um, yeah, that appears to be the case. Uh, Santa Barbara is certainly the highest level part of the city. Well, the highest is Wawakasa. Santa Barbara is a little bit deeper than Wawakasa. So yeah, that is the higher part of the system. And uh, I'll show you a drawing that will uh, show you that conceptually uh, in a moment. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Let, right. let me continue here. Yeah, Next please. slide. So this is a, a cross section here. Uh, this is a north-south section looking east. Uh, I put on the uh, grades here, uh, greater than 110 gram silver equivalent, uh, red in purple, red is 90 to 110, orange is 70 to 90, and yellow is 50 to 70. And you can see the distribution of the grades here. This is about, you know, up to 600 meters thick. It's open both directions. Um, when we put this section out, uh, you know, we hit significant mineralization in these two step-out holes. We obviously don't have results, but it's geologically very similar to what we're ha hitting on the on the uh, east side of, of the breccia pipe. Um, and this also is not a conventionally shaped breccia pipe because there has been a lot of uh, deformation and remobilization. Uh, but you can see how you know, this is very, very widespread mineralization. Uh, there's there's hardly anything in this whole mineralized zone that's zero. Uh, you know, we typically don't, I don't publish intersections less than uh, 50 grams silver equivalent, um, but there's lots of 25s, 30s, 40s. It's not zero. So when, when uh, you mo model this, will you be... Um, of course, it's, it'll all be inferred resources, so there's, there's no economic constraints. It's just a, it's just a distribution. It's a, it's a, it's a first-pass analysis of the distribution. No, there will, there will be an economic constraint because the resource will be defined by an open pit. So that's one of the reasons why we've had our, uh, our senior engineering advisors been to the site. So we will work out some preliminary economic parameters uh, to figure out what the cutoff is. We have some yep. metallurgical tests in progress. So, you know, a definition of a, of a mineral resource in 43101 is there has to be a reasonable expectation is economic. So it has preliminary um, factors applied to it. Uh, uh, but it will, this resource will be defined by uh, by an open uh, open pit. And you can see the configuration here is ideal for an open pit. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not looking at something that is is uh, vertical and down. This is really um, ideal. You know, obviously the, the oxide zone at the top here, which is dead, that's what you're stripping off. But when you look at the ratio of how much of this you have to get down into the sulfides, uh, I think this overall stripping ratio will be pretty low. 
and, and, and you can see go on i was going to say here again i always like to point out the scale everything that i'm showing you is kilometer or more this is 1200 meters you know that that's what i keep saying endlessly i'm a system guy you want to find a big deposit get in a big system this is the biggest system i've ever worked on in my entire career and i've had some good successes uh and i'm not only impressed with the size and extent but the the continuity of the mineralization now the key here which is why we're doing downhole ip surveys is to model these high grade zones. When we when we did the initial radial drilling, we knew the breccia pipe was there, we knew it was mineralized, but we couldn't figure out the geometry very well. And then when Oswaldo started to have a hard look at the structure and we got more drill holes in, we realized, okay, this north south, northwest, southeast trend is important. So what I'm hoping is that our our uh, inversion model of our chargeability in the IP, because the high sulfide zones show up like a Christmas tree uh, in IP, we'll be able to model these, these higher grade zones out and get the overall trend of mineralization. And that's what will generate our, our geological model. So ideally, it's relatively easy to model the overall mineralized zone. And then what you need to do is model these high zones because you obviously don't want to interpolate high into low. So that's basically the stage uh, stage we're at. But the magnetic profile I just showed you, that's the mineralized zone. It's there. It's huge. So yeah. that's going to be the overall domain for the resource. And then within it, I want to model these high zones using the downhole IP and the drilling information. And then I should end up with a very tight model. Great. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> two questions. Uh, the uh, I see on that section you've written mineralized intervals assay pending. You're comfortable calling it a mineralized interval because you can see roughly the same geology uh, from the from that core to the core that you've seen, which you've got assays for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is very similar to what we see on the uh, on the east side, um, and we also have an XRF gun. We check it. We yeah. uh, <clears throat> And so we know there's lead, zinc, silver, uh, tin here. Uh, obviously, the XRF is not quantitative, so we it's only qualitative. Yep. Um, so we have every expectation that you know we will get comparable results to what we see on on the the east side. So. The fact that we have mineralization here, I, I mean, very rarely have we had, we've only had a, a couple of holes where the massive sulfide sections have not carried. Certainly when you're within the main part of Santa Barbara and the mineralized envelope, if you see sulfides, you will absolutely get values. No question about that. So I'm very, very confident in geological interpretation. I, I personally, I wouldn't put it out if I was not confident, um, uh, but I'm very confident. Uh, you know, I can't tell you whether it's going to be, uh, Indeed. you know, it's going to jump to 110 or or it's going to be a 70. I don't know, but I know that we will get a number of significant intervals out of this. And um, I quite agree. You can't you can't put the assay on just by eye. Um, <clears throat> 
the IP that you talk about, downhole IP, is that something you do um, once you've drill, drilled a number of holes or is it, do, you, do you run it on, an, on, on a hole-by-hole -hole basis? Well, you, you need to wait until you've got uh, enough holes to work with because basically what you do is you, well, we haven't had one key hole in the middle, uh, which was our deepest radial hole. We put a hole down, um, it was a minus 80 down to, uh, it's almost a thousand meters. Well, that turned out to be a brilliant hole uh, because it, served as a fantastic base for uh, the downhole IP. And the uh, geophysicist who worked with me, Dr. Chris Hale, he's been, he's an expert on this stuff. Uh, he and I have been working together for 20 years. So what you do is you put down the current downhole six and you read out to uh, the, uh, the other surrounding holes and then you reverse the process. Yeah. So uh, it downhole IP works great, but you, you need, uh, you need the hole coverage. I mean, the minimum is three holes so you can triangulate with. Um, but the fact that we have this radial pattern, we've used both the underground holes and now we have the surface hole. So we've been reading in all of these. And the ultimate objective is to get a model, a, a downhole IP model over the entire um, area from Santa Barbara down through Porco. Uh, but obviously, right now we're focused on on the Santa Barbara area. So it, it's um, it's a technique I've I've used in a number of areas. The other thing is, if you look at forty three one hundred one, the definition is, um, you know, you want to confirm geological continuity. So what the downhole IP does is really confirm and refine your geological. Thinking So, for example, if I have a, a chargeability uh, anomaly, I, obviously I will get a high one in hole 15. I, I can correlate that across with adjacent holes very confidently. So it really strengthens uh, your uh, inferred resource. Because what you have to be careful about is dealing with these highs and making sure you don't want to be too conservative on them, but on the other other hand, you also don't want to be too uh, liberal and 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 start um, interpolating beyond where they reasonably are. So that's what the downhole IP uh, will do, and that that model is being processed as we speak and as we drill more holes. As soon as the drills moved off. Um, my IP operators in their uh, surveying. So it's very much a ongoing process. Um, just a, a, a quick uh, additional question on this. I, I know in the interest of time, we must crack on, but um, when I look at that, I can see uh, on the drilled strings, there are obviously large sections which are mineralized, but there are also some sections which are uh, unmineralized. Does that mean that what we'll be looking at in the resource is a uh, large tonnage, low grade. I mean, because if you've got good mineralization over 150 meters in sections, but over 500 meters, it could be that your average grade is going to come a lot lower. Is, is that kind of what you're thinking? Or are you going to try and model out well, the, the kind of the lower? Have, yeah, you, what, firstly, these areas here that are not showing anything are not unmineralized. They are mm -hmm. mineralized, but below the 50. Yeah, as I, I mean, say, 
there is there is there is virtually no zero. So if you looked at the results, say say on DSB two here, well, which is into in, into central here, you'll find that it's probably you know 20, 30, 40. Uh, so there's nothing here that's really unmineralized. But yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's part of the reason why. You know, this is a three-dimensional problem. When you look at a section, you know, these holes are being projected in. That's why the IP uh, inversion model will be so important because I think we'll be able to confidently correlate these zones because really if you, uh, a lot of these, when you look at these, if you step over uh, another 15, 20 meters, you might get a totally different result because you're, here you're in a high grade part, then you're in a lower grade, then you could be back in higher grade. So I, I'm trying to nail down that overall uh, geometry, but absolutely this is a bulk tonnage target. You know, uh, I think certainly uh, ending up, it's obvious potential is hundreds of millions of tons. We obviously want to be uh, north of a hundred grams silver equivalent per ton, which I, I'm, I, I think is a very, very reasonable uh, objective. And uh, I think once we have that IP model, um, there's no doubt we know the full extent of the mineralized zone. It's a question of honing in on the areas that will be, you know, potentially economic uh, uh, within it. But it, it certainly, this is one of these deposits that's made to be uh, bulk mineable. And, and if you want to bulk, really good mineable deposit. I've looked at hundreds of deposits over the years. The biggest single thing I look at is not the mineralization. I look at the wall rock. Is the wall rock altered? Is it mineralized? Like, for example, if you look at gold, which your readers are probably quite familiar with, if you, if you have a half a gram uh, in your wall rock, yep. you're in business. Your veins will be you up. If you have zero in your wall rack, I don't care what's happening in your veins. You will not make a bulk mineable deposit. A lot of people yeah, make absolutely. that mistake. Yeah. I mean, so in this case, there is absolutely nothing in this deposit that hasn't got something in it. I mean, if you look at a list of assays, you will not see that many zeros. Uh, it, it's uh, and and we've been very strict applying our cutoff. We use a a uh, 30 gram silver equivalent cutoff grade for each sample, which is typically a meter and a half. Uh, and we don't include any more than three samples in a row below that to maintain geological continuity. So when you see a high grade intersection, this isn't something with a massive high and then 50 meters of crap and, and another massive high. I can guarantee you that. I mean, I personally go over every one of these things and I'm really fussy on that. So, uh, you know, the numbers are very solid. Uh, the, the key thing that the IP will give us, I'm, I'm very hopeful of, is the overall job. Once you nail that down, I mean, if you're doing a mineral resource on any deposit, the absolute key is to nail down the geological model and deal with the highs, and then honestly, I don't care how you interpolate it, you will not be that far off. You, you know, you can do fancy geostatistic techniques, 
but the best statistical technique is nailing the geology. So, um, Earl, that, that's, Bill, Bill, thank Earl you. Earl so, yeah, Earl yeah, just sorry, just to uh, just add one point here. Just if you in Bolivia, southern Bolivia, you're fairly new to this story, but there is a an operating uh, mine called the San Cristobal, owned by Sumitomo. Yeah, and there, you know, their their daily rate is roughly 40,000 tons of material a day. Yeah, um, it's you know you don't get a lot of detail because it's sort of a private situation. But we are just from what we feel, we feel that you know their cost per ton comes in at around you know forty dollars average. Give it 20 percent contingency, but you know forty dollars a ton. So this is why, you know, we're talking about 80 to $100 silver equivalent, silver gram equivalent. I mean, that's sort of our bench model. Like, And they, again, they were one of the largest uh, silver byproduct mining operations over the last 10 years, up until a couple of years ago. So, and I think their overall uh, resource that we've been told at least is three to 400 million tons. So that might give you, your reader, your listener, a bit of an idea as to a comparative within the area. It's within 200 uh, kilometers of where we are. Okay, thank, thank you. That's really helpful. I've got two final questions, if I may. Um, the first one is, how do you um, calculate your uh, silver equivalent? Are you, are you just taking spot prices and in-situ metal at the moment? Just standard. I mean, we use spot price. I haven't actually changed the price since April. Um and the major reason is, I mean, tin, tin has been on a run, but I didn't want to be playing games mathematically. So I, I just, after April, I just left it the same. Uh, the prices are pretty reasonable. The ratios are reasonable. And, and you know, it's, we, we use that because you're dealing with a, a multi-metal deposit and investors need some kind of relative comparison. And obviously, they have to be aware that, you know, things like recovery obviously will um, will affect ultimately what you get. This deposit is also zoned, so we have deeper down. It tends to be more keen rich. We have silver rich areas. Um, we have areas where suddenly copper or gold will pop up. You know, so uh, but it's just a standard. It it's all disclosed in our press release. Anyway, let, let me just go back to the slides very quickly. I want to get to the model, um, um, as you asked. Yeah, so the, uh, the, other, the other question I, I had is um, uh, whether you've done, uh, you talked, you said you're doing some metallurgical work, but the question I've got really is, is have you done any petrographic work? And, you know, uh, does it look as if it's going to be amenable to processing? I mean, you can, you can uh, a good bit of petrographic analysis can often take you down. A, yeah, a I actually, uh, Colorado School of Mines is doing some work on that. You know, we're moving ahead on the metallurgical um, tests. Yeah, we're pretty confident we'll end up with the, you know, obviously it will be a, a relatively complicated circuit. Yeah, um, it, you know, it'll be different differential flotation. There'll be some gravity component because certainly uh, a lot of the tin appears to be considerate. Um, and uh, gold may come out in the gravity. Maybe. Anyway, I'm not a metallurgist. I will leave it to the metallurgist. But yes, we have all that uh, uh, work going on. And when I get to the model, you show why this this is uh, geologically quite a complex system, not only in terms of metal content, but in terms of 
timing and mineralization and, and, and so forth. So, Amena, can you just pop that presentation up again? Okay, go to the next slide. I'm going to flip over a couple of slides here. Next slide. So, really, in summary, and these points are very, very important. Obviously, we have this tremendous suite of potassi type metals, big porphyry epithermal system with these amazing breccia pipes and, and domes. Uh, the mineralization has been extensively remobilized and upgraded structurally during post-Andean tectonism. That's why the geometry um, is looks somewhat different than, say, a classic funnel-shaped breccia pipe. But in terms of metal contents, no, no, stay there. Uh, in terms of metal contents and, and geologic, very similar to our world-class neighbors here, but, and there's a huge but here, the thing that really distinguishes Isca Isca is the remarkable level of preservation. We essentially have the entire volcanic system, the edifice. Uh, these breccia pipes, and if anyone would know they're elsewhere in Bolivia, Oswald certainly would, these have not been preserved elsewhere. We have a unique situation where the earlier stage epithermal mineralization, which has a lot of silicification associated with it, and the quartz sandstone Ordovician basement rocks around there, rather than silts and sandstone, siltstones and, and uh, mudstones and whatever that are elsewhere, has uniquely preserved Iskiaska. And from the valley to the peak is one kilometer. That's what's exposed at above surface. So we have all the indications, huge size, excellent metal contents, but again, very early stage. Go to the next slide. And is, is the core um, very uh, competent? Is, it, is, is the whole package solidified? Well, it's, it's variable, but, you know, we're drilling uh, HQ core. Our recovery is excellent. The only areas where we have some difficulty in recovering is usually fault zones because the oxidation goes deeper. Otherwise, it's great. Um, and the, the, grain size, the grain size of the mineralization, I mean, can you, is, is the cassiterite uh, visible? Can you... Can, can you see the uh, some yeah sometimes yes other times no um you know that's something we're actually in the process of bringing a uh, scanning unit down to site yeah um and it the the ai in this scanner has a phenomenal algorithm for mapping out sulfide mineralization and I've, I've got uh, samples that are being currently analyzed by Western University using the uh, synchrotron in Chicago. And that will nail down our overall mineralogy. And uh, prior to shipping the scanner, they've scanned the same pulps that the synchrotron is analyzing. So we'll be able to calibrate this. So this algorithm will give you the distribution of sulfides, the sulfide species and oxide in the case of Cassiterite, uh, and also will give you information on grain size and so forth. So it'll be uh, a phenomenal tool because I don't know what other way you could do it. <laughs> um, anyway, so talking about conceptual model that you asked me earlier, this is from Osvaldo's book, Yacimento Metallifero de Bolivia. Uh, here we got 
the porphyry epithermal complex. Green is the epithermal. Uh, the, the reddish pink is, is the porphyries here. And it shows where the different levels of deposits are uh, in, in Bolivia. Uh, over here on the top right, we have Cerro Rico, Tocayo, San Cristobal is quite high up. And I put where Isca Isca sits. So Santa Barbara here, as you can see, is sitting in this amazing sweet spot, similar level to Cerro Rico. Wauwakaza is much higher. It's, it's a lead, zinc, silver, no tin, very similar to Cristobal, San Cristobal, there's no tin. And then when you look at Central, which is deeper, it's further down. Uh, a lot of similarities with Taroque, which is a, a tin deposit in what they describe as an intrusion breccia. And so the, these are basically breccias that have developed. They're not explosive breccias. They're, uh, they've developed deeper, and Oswaldo's indicated there are scientific studies that show these things have taken up to eight or nine million years to cool. Uh, Tasna is a very high-grade um, bismuth, uh, a gold bismuth deposit in the basement rocks. There's actually an early orogenic gold stage that was there prior to the formation of this whole volcanic complex. And we see that zone, that type of zone in Wawrakaza, and we hit it every now and then during the drill. So you can see the scale on the left side down just below Coricola is a kilometer. We basically, in that volcanic edifice, we have this entire sequence, which is incredible. Uh, next slide. Right, so just you. to add. Have you put any drill holes to, into, into, the, um, into the, the depth of central? Have you got any drill holes yet into central? Yeah, we, have, we have some holes in, in uh, deeper in central. Uh, I'm planning to do a much deeper hole sort of in the center of that caldera complex because I'd like to get an idea of what exactly is down there. Um, <clears throat> but these things are, you know, our deepest hole is about a thousand meters uh, in, in central and we're, we're still in that intrusion pressure. So the, again, the scale of these things are enormous. Bill, um, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to um, ask you to crack on because we've been going for uh, quite a while now. So we're going to um, come to the last few points, if you would. Yeah, well, very quickly here. Basically, the model that Oswaldo has come up with is three major stages of mineralization. And forget about what you know in the rest of the Andes. Southern Bolivia is totally different. The crust is 80 kilometers thick, and its evolution is much different. And so the stage one here... Tin is tin, tin, big tin porphyry complex. Uh, tin is a high temperature metal. This is what drove the formation of the uh, original volcano, which collapsed to form the caldera. Then you've got a second stage with these dacitic domes, which are cut by these huge pressure pipes. That's when you've got your epithermal silver zinc lead tin mineralization. Then stage three is and tectonism, which has redistributed all of this around. And remember, both these two events are telescoping repeated. They're not a single event, they're multi. And then you've had uplift and some erosion with glaciation, but because you've got quartz sandstone basement, silicification, especially in things like Santa Barbara, you've preserved that thing. So in a nutshell, that's it. Uh, just go to the last slide, uh, Hamina. So just to summarize then, 
okay, we're we're focused on doing an inaugural 43101 compliant minerals. Why are we doing that? The project has advanced to a, a, a stage so quickly that we can define a resource. Uh, it's no mystery what we need to drill and to maximize value to shareholders, establishing a major anchor on the project is a key uh, step forward. Huge target zone. You know, we're well-financed, three drills going, excellent production. Um, and uh, we've got MET tests, petrographic tests. I'm bringing a scanner down. So this this project is moving ahead like a freight train. Um, I'm very confident we'll get our resource done. The only thing that could uh, slow me up is, is assay turnaround. But we recently added an additional lab, AHK Laboratories, which has moved into Bolivia, realizing that ALS was the only game in town. So we're using both labs. Um, it's going to be a large number, whatever it is. Um, and we're doing all the technical work to make sure it's very adequately defined. And I've done resource work for years. I've, I've done resources myself. I've worked in mines. I've done PEAs, feasibility studies. I know resources upside down. I've been working with Micon for a number of months who will do the independent uh, reporting and we're doing an updated report. So it's very exciting times for Laurel and you're gonna see an awful lot of shareholder value creation, I believe in the next six months in this unbelievably huge massive system. And the final comment I'll make, Marlon, how many exploration properties do you know that every single hole has that has been reported has multiple reportable intersections. Yeah, no, I mean, that's-, that's, I, have, that's I have never worked on one in my entire career and I've had the pleasure of working on some pretty impressive projects, but we we have not drilled a blank hole yet and we're up to 63. Right, that's, um, that's fantastic. I've got um, one question, which I, sorry, um, the silicification, does that worry you? about the metallurgy or the, um, the fact that the whole thing's had this kind of silica overprint. Do you think that's going to affect um, the, the well, metallurgy? Well, it's, it's, no, it's not really a silica overprint. Uh, it's silicification associated with that epithermal stage, which okay. in itself has... So, for example, if you look at the, the uh, core, the breccia in the Santa Barbara breccia, you will see breccia fragments that are rebrecciated breccia. Right. Um, so uh, the, the silica is a plus. It, it's why that uh, whole thing has been preserved. Like if you go to, uh, um, you know, Sarah Rico, you, you, you've got a one kilometer dacitic dome there. It's a phenomenal deposit. If there was breccia pipes, they're long gone. And, and the same with the other ones around. So uh, Isca Isca is not only uniquely preserved, but because of the fact that you had that intense oxidation near surface, nobody found this thing. Yeah. Um, is there more of these things in Bolivia? Wouldn't surprise me because the level of modern exploration in Bolivia is pretty low relative to say, uh, pretty hard to come up with this sort of thing in Peru, for example. Um, so it, it's an exceptional system. It's widely mineralized. Um, we're doing all the work need to define a resource. It's going to be a substantive one. I'm not going to guess at numbers. Um, but uh, as we've, and I would predict based on my experience, 
as we continue to fill in, you're going to see the grade go up because you'll get better sample and representativity of the highs. And uh, the, the IP work we're doing will, I think, help jumpstart that. Um, so we're in a we're in a very very good situation. Um, as I say, uh, as long as I get my assays, we're going to get that resource done. Bill, thank you so much. It's been um, fascinating. Tom, um, do you want to chip in with any last comments? Well, it's hard to beat that, right? So, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm very uh, I'm very pleased with uh, especially with the the cooperation we have with the owners of the project, the Viegas family, and that was. That motivated us to make an early payment, a $3 million US payment towards the 10 million uh, that we we have to pay. We've got two and a half years to do that. Uh, so we're down to 7 million US, you know, to take control of a 99% interest. So uh, we're working very closely with them. Uh, they're very influential in the area of uh, near to Pisa. Uh, so, uh, we're we're working hard with government right now. I mean, um, Osvaldo, Dr. Osvaldo Arce has been just recently in the last couple of days at a major conference, uh, closed conference in 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 Bolivia, uh, and uh, you know we've got very strong legal representation. Uh, two two leading law firms, one that represents New Pacific Metals, the other that represents uh, Sumitomo. So we're covering obviously those angles. Right. And I, I'd like, just like to add Merlin too. We have a very, very strong ESG program. I've got a couple of slides in there. We do a huge amount with the local community. Um, we've, we're installing hundreds of sanitation stations. Our crew down there is 100% Bolivian run by Oswaldo. We've hired, uh, I think about 14, we have about 14 geologists. A lot of them are recent graduates. I think we have about six or seven uh, women geologists as well. They're doing a great job. Um, and I've run, built teams in South America, number in Central America, number of times. And key is success is build a strong locally based and managed team. And we have a fantastic one down there that just keeps getting better and better. And uh, once we get our, our additional technology, this scanner will take this whole project to the next level. Right. I'm convinced of it. So stay tuned. It's uh, it's an amazing story and we're barely a year into it. Great. Well, thank you very, very much, both of you for your time and for the insights today. Yeah, Merlin. Our thank pleasure. You. Yeah, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.